going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 121 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And here we are, second episode, bonus episode, holiday weekend. We got a nice three-game NFL slate on Saturday. You love to see it. I love to see it. And what we're going to do here is talk slate specifics, you know, zoom out, bird's eye view, look at these three games from a Vegas perspective, see what we see. Then we'll go position by position, break this thing down on a micro level, and of course, close out the show with some tournament takes, answer the big three questions that you need to be asking yourself on these three gamers. But before we do any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how to support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out links to all of our podcasts, clips, videos on YouTube, articles, etc. Everything will be tweeted out there, so make sure you are following us. You can also help support the channel by subscribing to us on YouTube at the DFS Dose. We are currently at 150 subscribers, so help us reach that 160 subscriber mark, uh, maybe even 200. Hopefully, we can hit that. And then also make sure you are subscribed to the podcast if you are listening to it right now. There's a subscribe or a follow button depending on what platform you use. Just help us out. Make sure you are subscribed or followed. And then lastly, you can join our free Discord link down below. In the description, we talk about DFS all day, every day, and with a bunch of DFS action happening right now in NFL with these uh, slates this weekend, and then NBA just started back up, uh, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, so make sure you hop in the chat, and then we have a giveaway going on right now, which I will let Ben explain the details if you did not hear about it on our previous podcast. Yep, this week holiday giveaway, we're going to be giving away a DFS Dose t-shirt, real sleek black shirt with our green tournament winning logo. And included in this giveaway will also be a Darius Slayton rookie card. It is an Obsidian Mm. Panini 2019 Darius Slayton rookie auto looking real good. It's numbered 19 out of 150. So all you got to do to be entered in to win the shirt and the Godius card is subscribe to our YouTube channel and retweet our pinned tweet, which you can find at the DFS Dose on Twitter. And as long as we get 19 subs by Christmas Day, 19 to reflect the number on the Darius Slayton card, we will be giving away, shipping that out for free, the card, the shirt, to one lucky person. So make sure you hit that retweet button on our pinned tweet. Go ahead and do that. Help us get some more subs on YouTube and you can win a shirt and the best player in the NFL's card. So yeah, go and, go and do that. And it's just a token of our appreciation. Absolutely. Let's dive into this three game Saturday slate. And man, Love having a three-game slate. And starting off on Saturday, our first game is at 1 p.m. Eastern. We've got my Detroit Lions hosting Tampa Bay. This is the highest totaled game on the slate, 53. And Vegas is not expecting it to be a competitive game. The Bucs have the highest implied team total on the slate, 31.5. And and the Lions, a slate low, 21.5. Yes, the Matthew Stafford-led Lions are expected to score less points than the C.J. Beathard-led 49ers. Just absolute disrespect on the part of Vegas towards my Lions. I mean, God. 
Uh, we're going to see beat hard in that next game, San Francisco at Arizona, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, currently set with a 48.5 total. Now, this game opened above 50. It has since dropped two points, yet the Cardinals remain five-point home favorites with the second-highest implied team total on the slate, 26.75. Finally, we've got our late game, and more accurately, the Lynn Bowden revenge game, Miami at Las Vegas, 48-point total. Miami has the third-highest total on the slate, 25.5. They are favored by three in Vegas. Joey, what stands out to you on this slate? I think this is an ugly slate. Like you said, the Lions are big underdogs. Vegas is expecting that game to not be close. Uh, San Francisco and Arizona could be a good game, but like you also mentioned, they are going to start C.J. Beathard at quarterback. That's a stone disaster for the Niners' uh, pass-catching options and their skill players in general, so not too high on the Niners, but obviously Arizona has several good players that you can play. And then Miami and Las Vegas, I I think that could be the closest game out of these three, and it is interesting from a fantasy perspective, and I I think that's a game that I kind of like right now. I think I think that could be the winner on this three game slate, but we'll talk about that uh, here shortly. So, yep, it's also the game where both teams are fighting for a playoff spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Detroit obviously eliminated, San Fran eliminated, and both Miami and the Raiders playing for that AFC wild card spot. So there is some playoff juice in that game as well. Do you have any concern about this Lions game possibly getting canceled? I mean. It, it doesn't seem like it's headed in that direction. And I guess it's kind of pointless to speculate because it'll really be, you know, out of our control as to whether, you know, there's another outbreak, but the lions are going to be most likely without their interim head coach, Daryl Bevel. They're going to be without basically their entire defensive coaching staff. And I mean, they might be running like their quarterbacks coach as the head coach in this game. It's just, it's just a brutal spot for the lions. I think that is definitely contributing to the widespread in this game. Yeah. I think that this game is going to play play um i don't see a chance of this game getting canceled at all especially in week 16 and they somehow find a way to have no negative tests whenever there's football on so i'm assuming that this game is going to play and i i think it does so we'll we'll talk about some players in this game shortly i think there are some good plays uh, on the Bucks side of the ball specifically. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of this game getting canceled. I do agree that we should just proceed as if it'll get played. But I mean, if the NFL was willing to cancel a game on Thanksgiving, then I think they would be willing to cancel the post-Christmas game as well. Obviously not an optimal choice for them, especially this late in the season, especially with you know, a garbage team like the Lions involved. They don't want to you know make a whole week 18 just for you know this Bucks team to play the Lions. But uh, hopefully it goes on. I don't know how competitive the Lions will be without any coaches. I guess I guess we'll see. But let's <laughs> dive into this position-by-position breakdown of the Saturday slate, starting off with quarterback. And I think that one of the biggest decision points of this slate comes down to how you handle the quarterback position. You have two distinctly different ways that you can go. One would be paying up for Kyler Murray, who's the most expensive quarterback on the slate, or you can stone punt it off with one of the two cheap options, whether that is either CJ Beathard or we have Carr and or potentially Mariota, both priced near the men. Carr's 5,100. Marcus Mariota is 5K. Uh, We don't quite know the status of who is going to be quarterback for the Raiders at this point. 
Yeah, so Carr actually practiced full today on Wednesday. Uh, he was limited on Tuesday. So I think that Carr is still the starter, even though Mariota was really good uh, in relief of Carr against the Chargers. So Carr is 5,100. Mariota is 5,000. We'll have to see how that shakes out. But I would expect Carr to start. It is a tough spot for him or Mariota, whoever starts against a Miami defense that has been good against opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers. Well, obviously, with the lack of quarterback options, especially if Stafford misses this game, he's questionable. He'll probably play, though. That dude is, you know, he's he's just a dog. He's an alpha. Matt Stafford is. So I would expect him to play. Don't have too much interest in Derek Hart or Tua, to be honest. I think the quarterbacks that I'm going to be focusing on in tournaments is Kyler and Tom Brady. Maybe one of uh, Beathard or Stafford. Maybe. For me, it's Kyler or Tom Brady this week. I like Beathard. I mean, we just saw the Cardinals give up, you know, 40 points to a quarterback. Obviously, completely different situation. Beathard is, you know, not going to be doing anything on the ground like uh, Jalen Hurts was. But Murray is clearly the standout to me. If you're playing cash, I think you just lock Murray in. You know, Tom Brady is up there as well, 6,800. But at that point, you're just giving up a lot in terms of a rushing floor to pay down for only $700. So in, if you're playing cash, and I do play cash on slates that are at least three games, so I'm bullish on Murray in that sense. But I like Brady as a GPP pivot. You know, I, I didn't know that Carr practiced fully on Wednesday. I didn't see that. So I don't think it's actually a question anymore of who's going to start. I would have liked to have the opportunity to start Mariota min price. Derek Carr, not much of a different player. I mean, he's less athletic, but I just mean in terms of being a player with low wattage, I, I'm not too um, bullish on playing Derek Carr at 5,100. Yeah, Stafford with the injuries to himself and and the Lions and the low total, I think that you kind of just stick with Murray Brady and maybe a a punt option. And I think you go that way in tournaments as well, to be honest. So for tournaments, which I only play tournaments on three-game slates, I don't play cash unless it's a main slate. That's just something that I do specifically. But obviously, you know, Ben plays cash, other people play cash, so you can. But for tournaments, I, I think Tom Brady and two of the Bucks wide receivers are my favorite stack. I think Tom Brady has obviously not as much upside as Kyler just due to Kyler's rushing ability, but I think this is a spot where Tom Brady can throw for 303 and that will easily get the job done in tournaments and he's only 6,800. So you're getting a $700 discount off of Kyler to Tom Brady, but these two are going to be the highest owned quarterbacks. So you're not really getting an ownership discount. I would expect Tom Brady to come in 40 in tournaments maybe that's a little high maybe it could be 35 percent ish somewhere around there uh he's definitely going to be number two behind kyler uh but i like tom brady a lot in tournaments so he's my preferred quarterback option this week and you have a lot of stackable options that you compare with him makes sense and i think that that's pretty clear cut that you're looking at brady and murray as the two highest ceilings um tua is a little interesting to me at 5,400. I think he's going to go completely overlooked. There's a pretty negative stigma around him right now and that he, you know, the consensus is that he's maybe not that good. I mean, I don't personally agree with that, but what do I know? Really, the interest comes from the fact that I think that his weapons will be back to near full strength. Mike Kosicki returned to practice. Devontae Parker 
practice limited on Wednesday. If he gets everybody back against a really weak Raiders defense, I'd definitely have some interest in stacking Tua there as the Dolphins make a final playoff push. I, I like Tua at 5,400. It's a cheap price. Um, You can also stack him with his options too. I think he has very stackable options. I'm with you. I think Tua is a good quarterback and... 5400 is just a good price tag for a quarterback that is trying to get his team into the playoffs as a rookie and obviously that is something to monitor on this three game slate and on the main slate is teams fighting for something and teams not fighting for something and we have a good mix of that on this slate obviously the Lions and the Niners aren't really playing for much at this point and the other four teams are so that we definitely have to take that into consideration so I like the uh I like Tua um I don't mind Derek Carr I would probably rather have Mariota start for fantasy yep just due to his rushing ability but we probably won't get that if Carr is practicing in full oh which is kind of a bummer but I I think if you want you can go Carr and Tua in large field tournaments it would make sense all right moving on to running back I think that there are two stone cold locks on this slate I think one of them is a running back and his name is Leonard Fournette what are your thoughts on Lenny F aka Uncle Len I know that on our you know, main slate preview podcast, you took a stance against playing bums, period. And how does that apply to Leonard Fournette in this spot? I mean, I I think you just want Leonard Fournette to happen because you have him against me in our fantasy championship in our redraft Mm. league. So you're kind of just doubling down on the Leonard Fournette take right now because you need it to be true so bad. You need him to snap (laughs) this week. Right. And obviously, if he snaps, you're in a good spot in both DraftKings and in fantasy. And it is a great spot for him. Ronald Jones is projected to be out right now. He's doubtful to play in this game. So Leonard Fournette should see the majority of touches. And at 5,500, it's just a very, very cheap price tag for a player that could possibly see 20 touches. And then obviously, he is the goal line back. So I don't hate it. I really don't hate it. I think he is a very good play this week on a three-game slate with a limited running back pool. Yeah, it just sets up so well. Like I don't really care for many of the other options at running back. It's the best matchup on the board. It's the highest team total. The questions of whether or not he would be utilized are kind of over in the wake of Ronald Jones, who's not going to play here. We saw him get 17 attempts. I mean, you're definitely wrong, though, about it having anything to do with our championship redraft league because i'm not even sweating you i mean i'm just counting that as a dub and moving on like mentally like i'm not even thinking about it definitely not a dub for you but where we talk about DraftKings on this podcast not that i have a better team than you or anything right right. but now you definitely need Fournette to to go off this week so that that's just a stone cold lie you just lied to the (laughs) listeners how do you feel? How do you feel about yourself right now? I mean, it's not. It's just. It's flat out not true. It's just such <laughs> no, a phenomenal no, play. Just stop. I mean, he's a good play. I will say that he is a good play this week. If you're not playing him, who are you playing? I mean, Josh Jacobs. I'm not playing Josh Jacobs personally. DeAndre Swift. It's a tough, tough spot for him going against Tampa. 
uh, with the lowest team total on the board as a massive underdog. I don't know how I feel about that. Then we've got question marks around basically every other backfield, Miami, the 49ers backfield with no Raheem Moster. Who knows how that'll shake out? The Cardinals backfield with Chase Edmonds having the big game last week, Kenyon Drake, 5,200. I mean, I don't know. How are you attacking the rest of this running back pool? Yeah, I think Kenyon Drake is a good play, especially if Chase Edmonds is out who missed practice today on Wednesday. Kenyon Drake at 5,200 would be a preferred tournament play for me, uh, just a very good price tag. And then he would be a usage monster, I think, with no Edmonds in the backfield to take away receiving down work. They would just insert Drake into his role as well. So that's something to monitor, but he would become one of my favorite plays. Josh Jacobs at 6,600. I, I think that's fine. If it, if you're going to beat Miami, you you're going to want to run the ball unless you're the Chiefs. And Josh Jacobs is a guy that will most likely see between 18 to 20 touches on average in any given week. And he factors into the receiving game. I, I know you didn't want to think he would this year, but most of the games that he's played, he's had three or more catches. So... This is a player who can get you three catches in a game. Um, he can get you upwards of 20 attempts on the ground. He's the goal line back for the Raiders. So I like Josh Jacobs at 6,600. I'm not fading him based on perceived matchup on a slate where there's not many running back options. So I like him a lot. D Swift, uh, it's, it's hard to play him in this spot against Tampa Bay, but if he continues to outplay AP and carry on Johnson, I, th- I think he's a fine tournament play at 6,400. The spot where I think you can get different is by playing a Niners running back, whether that be Jeff Wilson Jr., who had 16 attempts and four targets last week, Tevin Coleman, if they decide to get him in there, who's only 4K, Raheem Mostert is on IR, so I like whatever Niners running back is going to start, probably Jeff Wilson Jr. at 5K. I I think he is a very, very good tournament play at the running back position this week. Yeah, just touching on everything you said. I mean, if Chase Edmonds is out, Kenyon Drake would be stone chalk, first of all. And I would be very willing to eat that chalk on a slate like this without too many great options at the running back position. I think Drake is you know, viable in tournaments with or without Chase Edmonds. And without him, he's kind of like a stone lock on the slate. Um, Jeff Wilson Jr. I think is the best bet to lead the 49ers backfield. But in tournaments, you can get leverage in just taking a position on one of the other two guys. I mean, we've seen them give Jarek McKinnon a full game, um, you know, sort of as the workhorse in games past this year. I don't think that's likely necessarily, but it could happen and it would be a way to get leverage. And you probably wouldn't have to play him that much to have leverage over the field. Probably, you know, 15% would do it, I would imagine. Uh, Tevin Coleman, he's had big touchdown games in the past. I'm, I'm not too bullish on him at this point. The Miami backfield, I think, is where things get really interesting. You know, was Ahmed's yeah, performance sure. last week enough to earn him a significant role if and when Gaskins returns? You know, Gaskin was, he cleared the COVID list on Wednesday, which puts him in a good position to make it uh, to play in this game on, on Saturday night. Miami running back X is a strong play on the slate. It's just a matter of figuring out which guy it is. Is it Gaskin? Is it Ahmed? Uh, was Ahmed's performance enough to make this a split role going forward? How do you see this situation playing out? I think we could see a completely split backfield because when Gaskin has been active, he's been the Dolphins' number one running back, but Ahmed is a 
solid running back for them. Like he is a good player. He gets the job done. Had over a hundred yards last week for his uh, grandma, right? Mm-hmm. So preferably, I would want Ahmed to be the guy, just because I picked him up in that in that league that we're playing in, and I would play him. But Gaskin is activated. He's cheaper than Ahmed, fifty three hundred, and he factors into the receiving game. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think you can go with one of them in tournaments. I think they should both be lower owned, uh, especially with Fournette, Kenyon Drake, even Jeff Wilson Jr. right there. I, I think if I had to pick one, it'd probably be Gaskin. Asking, mm-hmm. uh, just because you know the season and what he's done for the Dolphins and their willingness to keep on going back to him even after he's missed games on IR he's missed games with COVID now or on the COVID list I should say so uh yeah I'll take the cheaper Dolphins running back but I think Ahmed could be a uh, large field tournament play as well this week I like both of them I think that Gaskin assuming he's healthy, will maintain the bigger role. That's the role he had before. I think he is arguably the better player. He's a dual threat. He's versatile. He showed that he could get it done in the receiving game. They showed that he could handle 20 plus touches on the ground as well. I like Gaskin a lot. He would be my choice as well. But Ahmed's performance last week, 123 rushing yards. It's kind of hard to ignore, I think, from the Dolphins coaching staff perspective. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Gaskin have a lower share of the team's running back usage than he had prior to the injury just based off of that kind of makes it a muddy situation but Gaskin I think would just be sort of a bet on talent and bet on receiving role type of play on DraftKings he's probably one of my favorite running back plays uh in tournaments specifically the Millie Maker Uh, which they are running for the Saturday slate. Moving on to the wide receiver position, lock number two on the slate, in my opinion, Marvin Jones. Like, I don't understand for the life of me why he is priced below 5K, 4,900 in a phenomenal matchup. He has three 12 target games over the past month, 10 target average over the past six. I mean, in my opinion, this is just a clear-cut misprice by DraftKings, especially from a cash game perspective, stone lock. Oh yeah, he's definitely a lock in cash games. If you're playing those on this slate, uh, just too cheap for a player, like you said, averaging what, 11 targets over the last month. If Stafford is out, I could see not playing any Lions wide receiver, Yeah, but we would probably project Stafford to be in in this spot so I like him a lot and he's probably you know where you start your wide receiver core off at and I think there's some other interesting guys Antonio Brown your boy is right above him 5300 in the same game uh we saw him break out a little bit last week against Atlanta five catches 93 yards a touch he he is a very good play this week at 5300 I might play him against you in that fantasy championship seems like we have a lot of guys uh, in this three gamer in our, yeah. in our team, so it's going to be interesting to see. And then Lynn Bowden, uh, you referenced it in the intro, thirty nine hundred Lynn Bowden revenge game, especially after John Gruden talking hella shit about. Oh him. my god, dude! Those quotes from Gruden. He he said that it was just the most passive aggressive thing ever. He's like, yeah, you know, Lynn, he got some some chances to play because they had some injuries. You know, we'll see if we see him this week, you know, basically insinuating if the the other guys are healthy, that Bowden's not going to be on the field. I mean, God, just talk about motivating a player, especially after you draft him and then trade him away for a worse pick before the season even begins. Absolute disrespect. I love 
Lynn Bowden as a value play, as a narrative play this week, priced all the way down at what, 3900 39 Love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him a lot this week. Uh, it's a good spot for him. I think he's going to be playing with a little chip on his shoulder after getting traded to Miami without even playing a game. Yeah, Lynn Bowden, 39, one of my favorite tournament plays. But some other wide receivers that I like, uh, like I mentioned with Tom Brady, I like playing two of the Bucks wide receivers. Chris Godwin is 6,000. Mike Evans is 6,100. Too cheap for both of them. Brandon Ayuk with no Debo and no Kittle is always a good play, especially over the last month or so. He's been a usage monster. 13 targets, 16, 14, 10, 9. So Ayuk at 6,700 is a phenomenal play. You can also go with D Hop at 83. Obviously, it's DeAndre Hopkins. But the main, the main guys that I'm probably focusing on would be the Bucks wide receivers and Brandon Ayuk. Those are probably my favorite wide receiver plays on this three game slate, to be honest. Do you have any concern that, you know, with CJ Beathard starting that Brandon Ayuk's price is a little, little bit too much? I mean, 6,700, if, even if we had Nick Mullins in there, I think that that would be fair because he's at least shown that he can get it done. I mean, you know, Beathard is bad. He's legit bad. I mean, I think that CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins are very comparable. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Maybe minus the chemistry and- though, because Nick Mullins has been starting this whole time and he's been able to develop that with Ayuk. I mean, true, but you know, Beathard and Ayuk probably have had reps in practice together this week. Mm-hmm. They've probably practiced together in the off season when Ayuk was a rookie, probably down in the depth chart, you know, up until he got elevated due to the Niners injury situation on offense. Uh, so they probably got a little chemistry and I want to be too worried he's their only receiving option as it stands right now, besides maybe Jordan Reed, just the Niners offense has so many injuries. It's incredible. So I still like Ayuk at 6,700, and I still think he's one of the best wide receiver plays on this slate. All right. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, we don't really need to talk about it, but I will just say that he is a priority. I think he'll be chalky because there's no real high-priced running backs you want to pay up for. He's the clear-cut best wide receiver play. I mean, the only other guy that you're really paying up for is either Kyler Murray or or maybe Darren Waller at tight end, 7K. I think Hopkins is absolutely worth his $8,300 price tag. He's been absolutely tearing it up. Best pure play on the slate, and I'm going to be jamming him into every lineup I can. Yeah, I mean... What needs to be said about DeAndre Hopkins, you know? Yep. And uh, he's just a goat. Bucks wide receivers. I think I would try and just figure out which one is going to be the lowest owned and play them. I think Mr. Big Chest has viability because he's the cheapest, 5300 so just off of the price discount and the lack of consolidated ownership because people aren't going to know which of these guys to play. I think AB is in play. Between Godwins and Evans, it always kind of feels like more people play Evans. He's had a better year so far with Tom Brady, and Godwin always seems to be the one who gets looked over, so I think I would have some interest as Godwin uh, just for tournaments at the ownership discount. Yeah, I like Godwin a lot this week uh cheap price tag on him cheap price tag on Evans I I like them I like the Bucks wide receivers a lot and in tournaments I think you could get frisky and play a triple stack that's how you get unique you don't figure out which one is low owned Mm. okay or lower owned I should say you play all three and don't worry about ownership because the chances that somebody is also going to triple stack uh, with Tom Brady and then the three Bucks wide receivers is probably very slim. So I like that 
a lot. Triple stack it. F it. I mean, I think that might be suboptimal in like a straight large field tournament. I mean, maybe not. We saw it win on the two gamer a couple weeks ago where the Josh Allen triple stack hit. So it, it could definitely happen. I'm all about that in, in the smaller field tournaments. Like I play in a lot of tournaments with fields lower than a thousand. Like I love that 500 to 800 range. And if several of these teams bust from an offensive perspective and the bucks go off and you've got natural leverage off of Leonard Fournette, who's going to be chalky and you just play Brady and all three of those guys, maybe bring it back with like Hawkinson or Swift or Marvin Jones, whoever, like that's a smash. So I love it, especially in a format where you don't need the stone nuts on the slate, where if all of them put up decent games, that's probably enough to get you there. So vibes, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, I like I like it a lot. Let's talk about the value wide receivers on this slate. Lynn Bowden is a clear cut uh, value. We've already talked about him. The other two guys that I think stand out to me are Nelson Aguilar who is priced at 4,500. He's had six or more targets in five straight games. Henry Ruggs is still on the COVID list. Gruden said that he expects him to be back later in the week. We'll see how that progresses. But as it stands right now, Aguilar at 4,500, I think is a value. And then secondly, Christian Kirk, who we know has a ceiling. He just hasn't shown it in a long time. But, you know, he had three consecutive games earlier in the year, week six through nine, where he scored over 20 DraftKings points three times in a row. Now, he's followed that up with six straight single-digit fantasy performances. You know, you don't really like to see that, but we know he has the ceiling and he's only 3,800 attached to Kyler Murray. Christian Kirk has been bad over the last five, six weeks, but like you said, he does have a ceiling and I like playing players on the Cardinals offense. It's probably the best offense on the slate minus the Bucks. So I don't think you can go wrong with playing anybody on that Cardinals offense, especially when they're fighting for a playoff spot. So if you want to stack Kyler and Christian Kirk, I like that a lot. And the price tag is just way too cheap on Kirk, a guy that has 30, 35 point upside in any given week. We just haven't seen it, which is unfortunate. But if you want to take a shot on him in large field tournaments, I like him a lot. It's, it's just hard for him to eat when DeAndre Hopkins is eating and there is a very, very high chance that in any given game, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the guy eating. You know, we, we've seen it over the last month or so, 11 targets, 11 targets, 13 targets, 12, 8, 12. It's just hard for Christian to get there with D-Hop, but D-Hop is going to be owned. So that is a way you can get different is by fading D-Hop, playing Kirk, and the hope that he scores the touchdowns. Yeah, and we've already seen it this year, at least twice. Like I said, in those week six through nine where Kirk had three 20 plus point games in that same stretch Hopkins had two of his worst games of the year two games with under 10 points so we know it's possible it's not likely but in large field tournaments it is the perfect spot to just fade Hopkins play Kirk and hope for you know the unlikely to happen for you and and, I mean that's what you need to win a GPP so I do like that as a leverage play obviously not the optimal you know nothing we would consider in cash but makes perfect sense from a game theory perspective Mm -hmm. any other wide receivers you need to cover here Nah, I mean I think we covered pretty much all of them we didn't really touch on the Raiders wide receivers besides Aguilar Henry Ruggs is 
on the COVID list, so he should be out for this game. So that kind of frees up Hunter Renfro a little bit. He's but expected he's questionable. to be back. Just saying. Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is expected to be back. That's what Gruden said. I mean, who knows, but that's what he said. <laughs> well, if Henry Ruggs plays, he's only 4K, so he could be a good tournament play. Um, He does have upside as a down-the-field threat, but... I don't know. I probably wouldn't go there. And the Raiders wide receivers don't really entice me too much this week. So probably wouldn't go there. Um, But other than that, there's really not much that needs to be covered in terms of wide receivers. So moving on to tight end, I think that for once tight end is actually kind of an interesting position for this limited slate. I mean, we've got Dan Arnold. Dude's making plays every single week at 3,200. We've got Mike Kosicki, who is likely to return. He's only 4,400, and he was on an absolute tear before he got hurt. He returned to practice, appears on pace to play, so that's good. We've got TJ Hawkinson quietly having a very consistent year. He's the PPR tight end four in fantasy in 2020. Hasn't had any ceiling games whatsoever. No games with 17 or more DraftKings points on the year, but he scored double digit points in 10 out of 14 games. And then we've got, you know, the two, the two big guys, right? We got George Kittle at 5k who has a chance to return chance to return 5k flat George Kittle. That's interesting. And then Darren Waller, 7k, who's just been an absolute stone cold monster, 13 targets per game over the last three weeks. He's got two 30 plus DraftKings point games over that three week span, including a slate breaking 48 point hammer. How do you feel about the tight end position on the slate? Yeah, I, I think tight end is kind of interesting. Darren Waller, obviously 7K, very expensive, probably not going to go there in tournaments. It's just too you know, too much salary for a tight end, but I think he does have the most upside, obviously, but unless Kittle comes back, definitely a situation to monitor. If Kittle does play, I like him a lot at 5K. Like we talked about it last week, you're just getting an alpha tight end at a very average salary at 5K. So I don't mind Kittle if he's back. The guy that I probably will target the most in tournaments is TJ Hawkinson at 4,600 as my preferred bring back option in buck stacks. And he just disappointed last week, right? Two points, only four targets, two catches in a game where the Lions were losing the entire time and Matt Stafford was slinging the ball around. Uh, So I think this is a bounce back spot for TJ Hawkinson at 4,600, obviously cheap price tag, and he correlates well with Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, etc. Other than that, there's really nobody else I'm too high on. Uh, Gasicki is obviously very good. Probably won't play Gronk, but you could have the Gronk narrative this week. You know, if we're going down narrative street, the Patriots were going to trade Gronkowski to the Lions and he was like, nah, I'll retire if you do that. (laughs) So we, we got a little narrative there. Maybe they're not thinking about that too much. Uh, yeah, I don't think Gronk is still thinking about that to be honest. (laughs) Hey, you never know. You never know. It could be in the back of his head like, yeah. uh, damn, I was going to go play for these trash cans. Yeah. But yeah, I probably want to go to Gronk. So it's really TJ Hawkinson, George Kiddo if he's back, and Gasicki for me. But I'll probably play a couple Darren Waller. Yeah, I mean, I know I know Darren Waller is expensive at 7K, but I mean, if we're talking skill position players, he's got one of the higher ceilings. You know, he, he's right up there with DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins. I mean, he might have the highest single point game out of anybody on this slate with 48 so 
I, I can't look him over on a small slate, especially when he's been consistently having monster games. And I think that two tight end is viable. It's always underplayed and it's been winning lately. Now, I don't know if that is a trend or if that's a trap, but I think that, you know, multiple guys on the slate have ceilings, especially for their price tags. I wouldn't be opposed to double stacking that game with, you know, Waller and Gesicki as the tight ends. I mean, George Kittle is one of the better point per dollar plays on the slate if he plays. So I, I would be fine playing him with one of Gesicki or Waller. I don't love Hawkinson just because of the fact that he has not really been able to have a ceiling game. And there have been a lot of spots where we thought maybe it would happen. I think he's going to, you know, get his usual 10 to 14 points and not do much else especially with the low team total. I don't see very many touchdowns in his range, but could be wrong on that. So yeah, I mean, Waller, Gesicki for me, I would play Dan Arnold in Cardinals stacks and uh, we'll see We'll see what happens with Kittle. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much else at tight end for me, to be nope. honest. Um, uh, let's move on to our final segment here. Three questions. You know, the three questions that you should be looking inward and asking yourself when you're building these lineups to take down a three-game slate. And that first question, Joey, is how do you plan to get different? I mean, I think you get different just by game stacking. If you just go all in on one game, you go all in on one team, and you sail to the money. That's how I think I'm going to get different. Uh, Like I mentioned, I like just onslaughting the Bucs this week, uh, whether that be with two or three pass catchers, uh, but you can do that with any team. So I think that's one way that I'm going to get different this week. Yeah. Um, I could see it. I think that it's very easy to get different on this slate. All you have to do is team stack somebody other than the Cardinals or the Bucks. I mean, it's it's really that easy. If you're stacking the Lions, if you're stacking the Dolphins or the Raiders or whomever that is not a Kyler Murray or Tom Brady stack, you're immediately going to be different because those two guys are going to command, what, 70% of the quarterback ownership. So for me, I, I love the idea of stacking Tua. Like people aren't going to play Tua because they think he's bad, but they're going to play Tom Brady. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Especially with Devontae Parker back, Mike Gesicki back. If, if both of those guys are back, Tua is one of my favorite plays on the board. And just like you said, you know, taking heavy positions. That That's what I always do on these slates. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's a more, um, you know, risk embracing strategy. And that's the kind of player I am on these small slates. I don't know if I'm suggesting you be that. You have to be willing to take on the risk that you're willing to take on, but I'll take heavy stands like I'll play Leonard Fournette and Marvin Jones in every single lineup. And if I bust, I bust, but we'll see how it goes. I'm willing (laughs) to do that, especially on chalky players. It's like I'll either full fade or full play because if they're 70% owned, there's really no point in having them at like 50%. You're not doing anything for yourself. So I'd either play them 100 or I'd play them zero. Question number two. Favorite long shot play of the slate. What do you got? My favorite long shot on this slate is Jeff Wilson Jr. at 5,000. I just think he's going to be lower owned than, you know, Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette, Kenyon Drake. So we could get him at 10, 15% owned, and he is going to be the workhorse in San Fran on a team that we know wants to establish the run. It's a good spot for him against Arizona in a dome. He also factors into the pass game as well. Tevin Coleman really isn't a threat. Raheem Mostert's on IR. Jarek McKinnon has been reduced to nothing. So I like Jeff Wilson Jr. a lot this week. Yep, that is fair. I mean, my favorite long shot play of the slate, it's ugly. It's disgusting. You have to scroll forever to find his name unless you type it in. Adrian Peterson. No 4K. shot. No shot. Yo, 
If you don't think that Adrian Peterson is vulturing two touchdowns on a three-game slate in an island game, you haven't been watching football this year. 100%. That man is coming in and tilting every Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift owner. He's going to have five carries and two of them are going to be touchdowns and he's the men price 4K and he's not going to be owned. Lock it in. Dude's the dude's the old, washed-up version of Cole Beasley. <laughs> Bruh. With the small, with the small. I'm not board. playing Come Adrian on. Peterson. Absolutely no chance. So I, you don't want to play a running back in a committee who is a ten point dog <laughs> with the lowest total on the slate. <laughs> no shot, Bucko, bruh. Just nah, don't please don't mention adrian peterson on this podcast ever again. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, come on, he's he's the small slate go. I'm definitely, definitely playing at least one AP. All right. Final question. What is going to be the Millie making stack on Saturday? And give me a bring back if you think there will be one. Yeah, I mean, I think if you've been listening to this podcast, you would know I, I'm too high on the Bucks. So I think it's Tom Brady and two, maybe three of the Bucks pass catchers. You know, you could just pick out of Godwin, AB, Mike Evans. I think they all project very similarly. And then bringing it back, you can do Marvin Jones, or you could bring it back with TJ Hawkinson. I like that stack a lot. I think that is going to win someone $1 million on this slate. All right. I will take the Dolphins stack. Mm. I love it. I love Tua this week, especially if he gets his guys back at full health. Would double stack him with any two of Parker Gesicki. Um, mixed in there with Lynn Bowden, Stone Lock, Bowden Revenge Game. So I'm playing Bowden, I'm playing two, and then I'll mix in one of Parker or Gasicki. Darren Waller is the clear-cut bring back. Give me the late-night hammer, the game where both teams are super competitive. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> hey, I mean, I do like the Dolphin side of things. So yeah, I, I like that stack, to be honest. And it's going to be lower-owned as well. It should be one of the lowest-owned stacks on the slate, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we barely even talked about Devontae Parker, because I guess he's, you know, questionable to play. But God, I think Parker such a such a good play. If if he gets ruled in at fifty five hundred, he's going to go completely overlooked. Yeah, I, I like Devontae Parker this week too. I, it, he's going to play, right? He should play. He should play. Yeah. He's back My, in practice. Yeah. Him and Gasicki should play. I think Grant is probably the guy that's going to be out. So Lynn Bowden would kind of be a smash of Grant's out. I think that's the news to watch in terms of. Bowden is yeah. mm-hmm. if Grant's out because I think that's a player who affects his role the most yep I completely agree with that and that's going to be it for episode 121 of the DFS Dose podcast make sure you check out this podcast feed where we also did a full preview episode on the week 16 main slate you can check that out and like Joey said at the top of the show easy ways you can support us subscribe to the DFS Dose YouTube channel Uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use apple spotify soundcloud stitcher podcast addict wherever you listen to podcasts we are there we've also got our giveaway going on look for our pinned tweet at the dfs dose twitter and you can follow our personal twitters as well i am at ben hover b-e-n-h-a-u-v-e-r joey tell them where they can find you you can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right, guys. Hope we're all having a good holiday weekend, and we will talk to you on our recap episode on Monday.